Welcome everyone, we are live. So today I am joined by Modoyo, I'm joined by Peter, Arlis and Nicholas, and we're going to be talking about how they're building their dream house and an introduction to Modoyo as a studio. So I'm Harry, I'm from Evolution Recruitment Gaming, and I'm the host today. And I want to get straight into some introductions. So please, Peter, could you please introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Peter, I'm the co-founder and CEO of the studio. And uh, yeah, old colleague of Figures, uh, and uh, we have been live for three years, building exciting things. Amazing. And Harless? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Harless. I'm the head of product here at Modoyo. I uh, joined the company roughly one and a half years ago, and uh, today I'm mainly dealing with uh, everything business strategy and publishing, and uh, often wearing any, any hats that are needed, as it's common in small studios. And uh, I'm previously from Paradox Interactive. Uh, yeah, figure. All the hats. Yeah. yeah. Hi guys, I'm I'm Niklas, aka Figure. I'm the chief creative and the game director person at the studio. Previously from, as Peter mentioned, from EA and Dice, uh, having made lots of Battlefield games, and uh, now I am here. Amazing. And a bit of an intro to Evolution Recruitment Gaming. We've been around for a couple of years. Uh, big focus on the Nordics, pretty much the entire focus. And we only do contract recruitment and we're very community led. So we do events like these. We come to Stockholm and Helsinki and host uh, meetups and showface basically every couple months. Hi everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So I will now start. I want to understand um, Peter Figures Harless a bit about Modoyo. So I want to start with, I guess, the beginning. So why did you set up Modoyo? Like, why are we here today? What's, what started it all? Yeah, I think um, uh, it, it, it was a bit of the um, common vision kind of thing. Um, me, as Peter mentioned, we both, uh, worked at the same place uh, and basically found uh, that our desire for how to build games and what games we wanted to make really aligned. So I think that's the kind of the, the super easy summary of it uh, and it caused it all to spring into action. Uh, so um, yeah, a taco dinner is what we usually say <laughs> because that's where it, where it started. Could you speak on that? Like when you mentioned how... You, the vision you had for making games aligned, like what was that vision? Yeah, it's um, when it comes to how uh, we want to make games, uh, that's one of those kind of strong things that we really believe in when it uh, comes to culture and, and uh, how to build a team and how to build a studio. Uh, and we strongly believe in, in kind of the right environment and the right type of motivation and encouragement and how you deal with the, the, the process of developing. And uh, we have a lot of common views on that and how to really put the, the creative seeds in the ground, so to speak, and, and let them grow and flourish and, and making sure that all the individuals that are part of that really feel part of it. Uh, and we basically, when talking about it, it, it really became clear that this is something that we both are very aligned on and really want to 
or that all of us basically are, are very, I don't know, want to uh, really pursue. And that became kind of a very strong motivator, like, yeah, we should do this. Amazing. One, a very good origin story, right? Wanting to do something better together. Yeah. Uh, oh, fantastic. Uh, Peter, maybe you could speak on it a bit more as well, uh, just on the, I guess, to further on what uh, Figus has said when you mentioned like the creative side, I guess, could you speak on that a bit more? Uh, not not to the creative side, that's okay. all figure, figure. <laughs> but I can speak to the, I guess, architecting of the whole thing in a way where, yeah. um, you know, what I do is that I make sure that I'm not the smartest guy in the room in a way. Uh, so having figure here and aligning with the values um, that we had, we usually say that um, when it comes to ambition, people and pure curiosity, uh, you know, within gaming, that's what aligned very well with us. Same for our um, for our CTO Magnus. Same with Arles. Same with Lydia. Um, so it's just a strong alignment. The stars truly align, and things become way easier. But one thing to take away from that as well is that the notable completing skill set of um, of all of us is pretty amazing, and that's what I look at in pride of course but i mean you 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 came with a lot of stuff from actually outside of games as well i mean you talked a lot about the movie making bits especially uh, references to pixar and how they worked uh i mean you had studied that quite a lot so there was a lot of talking about things that are more general and not only applying to games development but all kind of team building and all creative process stuff yeah i i do that's the thing that we talk about in interviews, uh, in interviews for candidates for joining the company. I do say that I, I do have one dream, and it's a it's a pretty big one. Uh, it's uh, it's building the Pixar of gaming. And just to quickly elaborate on that, I I don't mean that we should make you know cute and pretty cartoon movies. That's not what we're doing. But the amazing thing about uh, that company, they are they are them. And we are us. So we, we do us, of course. So we're not the same. But what, what amazes me is that, um, like the founders say, John Lasseter and Ed Catmull, they talk about uh, every movie at the beginning is uh, not great, to put it nicely. And anyway, in the end, a blockbuster comes out every time they do it, more or less. It's just amazing. How does that work? How does, you know, that, that it's the environment, right? Uh, my conviction is that that is the environment that they have built the passion, the as we believe, the humility, there's a positivity and there is immense drive in the studio. And this is those are our three values that we um, work hard on making sure that when we recruit, that they are there when we recruit. Uh, I can add to that a little bit. Uh, I wasn't there on day one, of course. I joined a little bit later, but uh, what really like uh, sold me in the in the recruitment process was exactly like, meeting Peter and Figa and hearing this like kind of shared passion for games, first of all. Like uh, I'm all about multiplayer games. I grew up with uh, Warcraft 3 and League and Dota and CS and COD and all those kind of games. But then also looking at like, how do we approach building the studio? Like Peter talks a lot about uh, that uh, great ideas can come from anywhere. And this uh, like being in the studio, like it feels like we've actually achieved that. And I think this is like a super awesome environment to be in where like uh, you can you can get ideas for monetization from artists. You can get uh, gameplay feature ideas from the producer. So it's like that kind of culture that is fostered. I think uh, they really hit the mark with this one. Yeah, I can 
I can actually say that uh, on that note, you, Harlis, are working with the design team on certain meta features uh, because you came in with a bunch of really good ideas and then the process just kicked off from there. Uh, so just to super quick illustration of how if a seed comes in, uh, it really needs uh, the ability to grow and it doesn't matter where uh, any ideas or where the creative input comes from. Uh, I mean, it can come from any place, any time, anyone. And uh, if it's good enough, uh, and if it has promise and legs, we jump on it and, and try to nourish it as much as possible. I think that's a very, it's like one of the best parts of game development. I think when you get to a certain size or you can kind of lose the magic of that, where it's kind of not encouraged, sorry, not discouraged, but it's implicitly like you're not going to get cherished or praised if you bring up stuff. If all you have to do is UI programming, I don't know. Like it's one of those where if you built it in, to everyone and you have that creativity it just sounds very nice there's a place to work right because there's no kind of i guess bad ideas and everyone's encouraged to always contribute just sounds like a good time and i want to jump now into i guess an industry gap so when we spoke uh peter you mentioned like you wanted to plug a gap that you think was missing in the industry so i wonder if you could speak on that a bit more so like where do you think Modoyo fits in the current like gaming industry well uh, without getting too much into the to the product side of things, uh, the, the, some things that we don't want to just talk about uh, yet. But um, when it comes to building the studio, um, yeah, it's hard for me to say in a way. But I mean, the, the biggest feedback that we've gotten when we have recruited is that we're a fan. We are fans of you really sticking to your values, for example, uh, and how that really shows. So once you go talk to them now, a few years later, because we've been running for three to four years now, um, that is still what uh, stands out to them. Um, yeah, when it comes to market for products, I, I mean, I'd, I'd lean into Figa and Harless for sure, uh, knowing that part. But for the studio side, that is it. I mean, it's kind of the Pixar path for me, at least being the ghost of the, of the walls and trying to set the culture um yeah i like that because it's like it's very much a vision driven business like you're not from the sound of it looking at numbers all day it's very much you're keeping core the values no matter what and you're sticking to that and there's probably only a handful of companies in gaming that you know do do that because eventually things get complicated you start looking at pnl maybe there's a quarterly shareholder meeting and it starts to get complicated but i I like that you know you've got that kind of locked in uh, the values and it's no small feat to do that for three four years Harless looks at numbers all day yeah Harless is <laughs> sure. yeah. yeah sometimes or most of the days maybe sometimes a few numbers I mean you can throw them in there dreams and numbers I think <laughs> yeah but yeah, I think like uh, from the from uh, the product perspective like it's like it, there's many of those great stories out there where you know someone kind of wakes up one day and has like a specific vision for 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 a product or a game and uh, I mean those stories <clears throat> sound super nice but in most of the cases it's not really that I think uh, on our side obviously Figa and Peter when they started like there was a really good idea but also if you look at like the the market as a whole like it's changing so fast and I think what we're really doing is kind of like trying to adapt to the changing market, but also kind of maintain this balance where we're like, you know, not chasing trends, but really like put the game first. Like our goal is to make a great game and uh, and uh, we're kind of adapting as we go to make sure that we stick to this vision. 
rather than one like very specific gap in the market. Even, although like on the product side, we're obviously looking at that as well. But I think uh, I think the the creative needs to kind of have some room to play and grow as well. Uh, as Pig mentioned about the ideas before. Yeah, you're not steadfast. You didn't decide something four years ago and continue on that path without the new information. Well, uh, I don't get us wrong, Harry. We're pretty convinced when it comes to what we're building, and we've been running with the same thesis uh, for some time now. And mm. that's what we're doing. No one knows about us really, and that kind of makes me happy because then we can work away, like Harley's is saying. Uh, but the trick is also to build. So just to extend what I was saying, uh, the spotlight that Harless is is shining uh, is a great one because you got to build a studio that uh, have the resilience to change, right? To to you know we've played with creators and community for three and almost four years now, and some of those ideas have made it into the core. Some ideas that comes from the community or or the creators, uh, as well as internal, of course, uh, feedback. Um, they have shaped the whole thing and they, you know, take stabs at our core thesis. Yeah. Yeah. I think from, from just from the creative process perspective, that is one of those things that I think we have deployed, uh, in a very kind of powerful way. Uh, and, uh, I suspect somewhat unusual way, um, where we did subject the absolute earliest playable software. I mean, the really, really, really first playable software with everything you know basically being untextured and and there are hardly any features in there kind of thing uh two external players um people that we had uh you know a, a, just an ongoing conversation with as, as an early uh input from from the external view uh, and that has been then continued throughout the entire process and like peter said a lot of the stuff that we have uh, in our current uh, uh product are direct results of that collaboration and, and that kind of blend of external view and internal view. Wow, I did not know that. I, you know, I just took a sneak peek on your website. So like to what you said, like you've been alpha testing this game with creators and having that. Because when I think AAA production, I always think they're going to make something. And then I guess three months before it's out, I was like, hey, here is out. here's a public beta that we might make a few tweaks. But this sounds like it's really ingrained the idea of, getting that outside perspective and you've been doing that for years and which is well ho- i mean hopefully that's going to be an amazing product right but like like i haven't heard of that before so i found that very uh, interesting that's that's oh, very cool yeah it's yeah. been very rewarding and insightful yeah i think it also ties back to the like the question on like why why was the studio founded and i think uh like having this kind of creative freedom to like kind of test and iterate and kind of uh because a path to a great game is always not linear although like Many many of uh, product people like me would like to believe that sometimes, but <laughs> uh, but uh, giving giving the creative freedom to people like Big I think is the is the key of kind of making something great and enduring in the long term uh, because uh, then we have the time and uh, and freedom to experiment and try different things and see what works. Uh, so yeah, it's almost like you've pulled the benefits of like mobile development because they have the luxury of a weekly update where they can measure stuff and people don't even feel like they're getting the update. Uh, but I guess you're bringing a bit of that aspect, which I'm more close to um, the iteration part. Like you've somehow plugged that into this uh, AAA development, which is quite cool. Yeah, we actually have that as a 
a target deliverable. Whenever we say that we will, uh, you know, close out a milestone, it has to be proven, if you will, or uh, be able to be played external. That's actually one thing we always do. No, I just find it very cool. Um, nice. So we've talked a bit about kind of why uh, Modelio was set up, a little bit about the history there. And I just want to move on to, I guess, what you're hoping to achieve. So we have touched on this. Um, but yeah, I don't know if Peter could take this. Like in terms of what are you hoping to achieve with Modelio, I guess, as a studio, let alone the first game, but as a studio, what are you hoping to achieve? Um, I guess with a timeline on this, maybe, um, in like over the next couple of years, like what are we hoping to achieve here uh pixar of gaming uh but yeah uh on the timeline i guess i mean it's pretty complicated the the things that we're talking about here um to actually do that takes quite some efforts i mean it's pretty uh, normal today it's the norm that you, of course you need to play with your community you know otherwise you're doomed uh that's the word on the street it feels like um but actually doing it and collecting the ideas, what are the right ideas? What are the wrong ideas? That's still an enigmatic kind of mm. process, right? And again, I go back to the you know social architecting of the studio. I mean, I, I, I am blessed and crazy happy to have these two gentlemen here because just to shine a light on the complexity of the processes that, uh, I mean, figure being the creative part, Harless, uh, holding the product stick, meaning more business than creative uh, many times. Um, but the trick, I would say, to to uh, make sure it's um, you know a Formula One car is having a creative mind that fully embraces and understands product, does a lot of product thinking as well. I mean, that's what Figgy is doing a lot. And Harless has immense understanding for creative um, sorry, I might be getting off track here, but what am I hoping to achieve? Um, well, I mean, we have talked a lot about like if if I were to put like a word on it, it's uh, it's the the longevity side where it's not about uh, building for short term only. It's it has a lot of like long term ambition in it, like really building something that can last. Uh, I mean, in the early discussions when we talked, you talked about like foundations and standing firm when when things are shaky and things like that and that's all based on building something properly from the ground up and making sure that uh, you you um, you basically set the culture values and the uh, and the way we uh, approach process and product in the walls so that it has really strong legs and can keep going and and just uh, be this uh, success story that can that can last over time yeah that's it that's a good way um i also noticed in the chat that one of our old friends Gregor, is asking kind of that question right where uh a great studio culture you know awful remote working sorry that part i didn't pick up but for the longevity of it um for sure when you scale how do you maintain that how do you make sure that it's great five years into time that's you got to keep at it you got to keep at that culture it's like concrete once it settles it's there and how do you move concrete well you know expensive <laughs> big cranes yes yeah but there's uh, the, the question is really interesting about the the remote situation right uh, because that's something that ties into how we work as well when it comes to just pure processes to uh, really put a focus on uh, where each individual has their most effective 
um, output. Um, and is that working hybrid? Is that working uh, only office? Is that working only home? We are, we always have that conversation with everyone just to make sure that because everyone's, you know, life puzzle, as we say in Swedish, is, is, uh, is unique, right? And it has its own uh, very individual demands. Uh, it can be very detailed, uh, etc. And not respecting that and not like looking at each individual need in that sense, I think is a mistake. And what we're really trying to do with each individual is to make sure that that is something that works. Um, and I believe, and I think we all do, that if that's done right, uh, then it does uh, last and and can and can stand over time. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I think it's uh, like two ways you can uh, like look at this question of like what are you trying to achieve. Like uh, for us, it's like super important, or we care a lot about you know how do we make the games, but uh, also just to not forget about the games at all. I think we're all like if you ask people in the studio, I think the dream is to just make great games that create joy to the players and as Vegas said I think we really we're really looking into like long-term games uh that kind of get to live for a long time and uh, provide like enjoyment over many many years hopefully and uh some of the things that we're really looking at when it comes to that is like it is risky to create something from very ground up that's why you know you get the like a lot of sequels and uh, and stuff like that and when you talk to people, they ask like, okay, what's what's the big innovation? And then at the end of the day, it's like balancing kind of all of this together to try to make something that is new. Uh, and uh, when it comes to the games itself, like one thing that uh, at least for me is very dear is uh, the shared experiences you can create for the players that they can remember for years. And those are the, the things that you often get from, uh, especially like, you know, goofing around in games together and something unexpected happens or or uh, simply like something creative that you discover in the game, like those kind of moments, I think is like uh, what we really try to create. Uh, but I think Piga has probably more thoughts on that. <laughs> no, but that, to me, that's uh, that's the most fun for me. That's that's gaming's uh, best experience, like when you can share it. Uh, uh, I mean, like you, Harley, I'm a very very uh, dedicated online PvP kind of player. I, I always love playing uh, together or against other people because that is when you get that. You can share the experience. And if you can be a bit creative or fool around or just do <laughs> some shenanigans uh, in that space, that's when I have the most fun. And I think that's uh, a good recipe for making something that can last. Just realize you're doing three things at once. You're building a new IP and obviously you've built the whole new team and you are building a new game. You know, I'm guessing... Is, is a lot of things we're doing from scratch and when you mentioned there um harless like we see a lot of sequels i'm thinking because yeah because it's very risky right and if it like we've put i mean four years is a long time and if it would take it at least one more like that's a lot of investment and so this kind of needs to work when you mentioned the pixar of gaming there's like a there's a certainty to it at some point like like oh it's going to be a blockbuster game and it sounds like you're not taking that lightly because uh, you are getting data along the way and you're not just hoping for the best. And I just really liked when you mentioned the joy, like we're trying to maximize joy because I feel like, yeah, if you focus on these, obviously you can put a number on joy, I think, but it's a bit harder. But if you have that as a goal, then fingers crossed, you know, success will come and, we, you know, we'll, we'll still have the studio and we'll make more games. So it's just 
um i did just go on a ramble there but i just wanted to just highlight how like you're doing very many things at once also very few people <laughs> relative yeah. to other studios so i guess yeah uh, you, do you have something to say uh, yeah but i mean the long and winding road that that harless was alluding to before with is not a straight line mm. this, is, this is interesting from an inside perspective in the games industry of how it actually is to build a very ambitious game is uh, quite different from sometimes the outside, where it's a long and grit, you know, covered winding road, uh, and you have to persevere uh, through it. And I'd also say an advisor told me uh, a while back that, you know, it's just basically, you need to be right. You need to be right in your decisions. You need to be right in the theses that you have, right? That's the trick uh, to succeed and make a very successful game. You do have to be right a lot of times. And um, that's what I feel super happy about, you know, looking at how much time, how mean and lean, something that we've been kind of struck, um, uh, trying hard to do, to stay mean and lean. And what we have achieved with that um, relatively small size is that's pretty mind-blowing. If you look at the pure numbers that Harless uh, pulled up at one point, it's, uh, that's pretty amazing. So, yeah, I feel super proud about that part. Yeah, but that's actually one other thing that we did talk a lot about when it comes to basically strategy and process around how you build things. And and we were very much aligned around the fact that uh, we we just need to have to to be ready to have many hats on. Uh, I mean that might go without saying when you are entrepreneurs and and making a new company. Uh, but I think we had it with us really from the ground up, where uh, just the, the basically the few first founding team. Uh, uh, people were very, very um, uh, spread out across the, the like the competency spectrum and the experience spectrum, um, and we have maintained that I think uh, uh, quite a lot through our uh, you know growing of the studio, where um, being able to hop into several different uh, tasks and applying knowledge in several different fields is always encouraged, and and we're really looking for it, and that allows us to keep. You know the size is down uh, compared to the type of that we're doing. And that's very cool because I think I think it's on your website or one of you might have said like there's a very big generalist is kind of praised. I guess like you're looking for super generalist. So I guess to second to your point there, and I guess I wanted to have a quick question. It's like why is it so important that we are so mean and lean and we don't I guess grow too big potentially? Like it feels like there's a there's a desire to keep the output as high as possible per unit of input and let's say the unit of input is like <laughs> person and Madoya as like that seems like a conscious decision is that right yeah very much so that is very conscious and um it comes down to the basically you don't want to grow too fast because you lose control uh, especially over how you develop the culture inside the studio uh and uh in order to do a lot of things with few people you just need to have a large uh, uh like spectrum of of experience and, and skill and that that's where the generalism aspect comes in um it just it's basically a necessity but it makes sense of course uh, to approach it that way uh, but it's just to make sure that we don't end up in this kind of uh, explosive growth that you then can't manage and can't really control and that can you know Come with problems so is that about the culture like you mentioned the culture there so it yeah. seems like yeah i mean it's a big decision right like just 
for to keep the culture we are trying to keep the number of people as low as possible and you go into I mean, I know as a recruiter, that's hard to do. You got There's not a lot of generalists flying around and willing to dedicate uh, two, three years potentially, you know, and really vest themselves with the company. So um, that's not a decision made lightly for sure. And yeah, yeah I and, and just to be to be clear, it does not say, you know, that, that we don't want to grow, you know, and become big and have a large studio. That's that's totally within uh, all you know, ambitions and wishes, um, but it's just a way to get there. Uh, and the way uh, we approach that situation. Yeah, the way I often like look at this is like the the fewer people there are, the the easier it is to keep communication lean and like be nimble as like the te- as the team. But uh, obviously, if uh, if you have high ambitions, then eventually there is just so much work to be done. But I think it really comes down to like us as a young studio, kind of. Uh, balancing the the growth speed to make sure that uh, our culture remains intact which we're like really trying hard to do and it seems to be working for now but also the fact that we don't have a game out yet so we also need to be mindful of uh, of how how big the team is uh, to kind of keep the balance between the the velocity we can move with so we can actually you know still maintain the the creativity and keep the ideas flowing and also manage the costs in one side and then like the culture side. So it's like all those three or four things need to be kind of balanced and tandem, I think. And uh, finding this this uh, sweet spot is hard because, you know, one day you, you realize, oh, we don't have that competency in-house. We'll probably need to recruit. But then like in, in many cases, like what we've seen is that we have people that are generalists. So someone has done it before. So we can actually kind of reprioritize the things and uh, actually find a pretty good solution to like get get the stuff done and cover the competences we need but also maintain the team at a reasonable size nice i mean you and me we had a good conversation i remember a while back where recruitment is sometimes misunderstood i didn't know the full depth of what recruitment proper and really great recruitment can do to be honest it's kind of this is your industry so i'm i'm uh, throwing chips your way um, so it's really hard. And if you, if you want to build something long-term, you got to stick to the values, right? So you got to go the, the long way, the long winding road there as well. You got to uh, endure the, um, make sure that you evaluate each value properly, but also make sure that you get the right skill that is complementary to the team and making sure you do your due diligence and you spend your time in there because um sometimes uh, it, you know it can be seen as a numbers game oh we need five more people we need to scale 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 i we don't like to see it that way it is a human endeavor it is adding uh humans to a team of humans so that means that um the culture changes whether you like it or not so first make sure that but then also find the ones that wants the same thing as we do um that people are here because they want to partake in this journey otherwise you know it, it, what's the point in a way we want to do the same thing you got to make sure to hunt for that and that takes immense amount of time yeah and i can attest and the more values the more i guess filters you put the less people there are and then it becomes i mean you're basically pitching 24 7 and hopefully that and sometimes that's a six 12 month process for some people um before they actually you know 
shop on your door and start working there. Uh, and the fact that you're doing all these things to ensure that you stick to the values and the size of the team, um, it just shows like how uh, kind of, I guess, dedicated you are to that idea of just mean and lean and like surviving for the long term. Uh, I want to move this conversation on to a bit about the practicalities. Please forgive me if you do not want to indulge some of these questions, but just say no. Plead the fifth, I guess. Uh, but I guess because uh, I've seen some questions in the chat, so I just wanted to ask: um, during the early stages, when you're actually setting up, like, what were the first few things you've done? Uh, like when you were setting up, what are you like? What were the checkboxes that you uh, checked? Again, oh, you want to go? Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a that's an interesting question. Like, I think um, aside from the very basic practicalities of you know setting up uh, paperwork and 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 all that stuff. Um, I think um, some of these processes were like the first things that got a, a, a bit of a check. Like how do we view, for example, creative um, versus uh, like in data informed? That was one thing that we mm. talked a lot about and just established a few guidelines for how we want to deal with that. Because you never want to go into a creative process blind, but you don't want you know the numbers to spit out something in the end. Uh, and, and that's possibly the best thing ever, right? Um, so that was actually something that we talked a lot about and, and really tried to establish how we want to do it. And I think we reached a really, really good point there. Um, uh, I think uh, the second thing kind of ties back to what we talked about already, which is uh, a lot of the culture. We did have a lot of uh, very kind of in-depth discussions, really got to know each other, really like dug deep, as, as, as you often say, Peter, trying to really make sure that when we talk together, we know where we come from and we know each other's, you know, strengths and weaknesses and, and antics and, and so on and so forth, just to make sure that whenever we are trying to go forward, uh, there are as few obstacles and surprises as possible. So we, we really spend our time on that. And I think that really pays off in the end. Um, you, you, you kind of almost want to become a bit of a married couple and then uh, know each other intimately because otherwise uh, you might end up uh, you know, stopping on fiction points that is just unnecessary. It sounds like those arguments cost a lot more if you had them now versus four years ago. Uh, Absolutely, so yeah. It sounds like you really wanted to iron them out before you grew, uh, which was nice. Uh, I guess, is there any lessons you learned there or anything um, you would give advice if, let's say, someone's starting a studio, like anything that you've done that you were like, wow, thank God uh, we did that? anything come to mind yeah i think i think the the kind of 80 20 rule if you want to call it mm. that comes to mind this you know listen 80 percent and talk 20 percent it i think it's 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 kind of a, a, a how do you say a trope maybe um but it it's just realizing how true that is uh, i think is a one of those key learnings uh just understanding that uh if if everyone just talks and no one listens you just you're not going anywhere yeah, that's just that's that's just a clear stop right there. So, in um, what context do you mean that? Like, in what setting would you say? I guess where do people typically talk more than they should? Um, yeah, yeah. I think the first uh, uh, and most obvious example of that is like meeting culture, um, mm. where if you go into a meeting, then you're supposed to come out of that meeting with a decision, and you're supposed to come out of that meeting more informed when when you got in, obviously. And usually, if it be, if if it turns into like everyone just wanting to say their piece, then you might not end up where you intended to end up 
in that we have a solution or we have a, a decision or something like that. So taking that seriously and just making sure, that, hey, when when we meet and when we discuss and when we try to come up with something, we actually adhere to this and make sure that we don't come out the other end as we came in, because then it was basically a waste of time. No, I agree. And I agree, uh, establishing that very early on and leading by example, uh, yeah, paramount. It's very hard to change that once it started. I found um, if the meeting culture is, like you said, where everyone's here trying to say their piece. Uh, so no, very important. Uh, cool. I guess in terms of the communication style, you have a certain amount of people where you can get away with certain communication. Like you don't have a 500 person studio. So I just wanted to understand a bit more. I guess, how do you communicate? Is it a mix? Like, do you have situations where, you know, everyone's on site for a meeting and no one's tuning in live? Is it a bit of a hybrid solution? Is every meeting teams, again, if we're not allowed to learn this, no stress, but like, how do you communicate uh, typically? Yeah, sometimes someone has to be a laptop on a chair because <laughs> because they're home. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, we we're fortunate when it comes to the team size because communication is of course exponentially more difficult when you grow and, and become even larger. So we have that uh, as an advantage, I would say. Uh, but uh, we're really um, always trying to encourage um, uh, feedback. Um, because that's very much a part of how you communicate and how you get the conversation going forward. Um, the last thing we want is for someone to sit and be quiet because they feel like if they speak up, then there will be some kind of repercussion. There will be some kind of, you know, uh, they will not be spoken to again or asked again, or someone will be angry at them or say, hey, why are you talking? Or this is not your place to talk or whatever. Any, any of that stuff. Uh, that's one thing we're very, very, very much like trying to instill in everyone to make sure that uh, really, really don't hold anything back or hold anything in because that's going to fester and that's just going to, uh, you know, make you and everyone else ultimately uh, worse off. So really encouraging uh, feedback and always viewing everyone's um, experience and, and take on, on something as a valued uh, addition to the conversation. Uh and if, it, if it's something that needs solving, then we just apply a, a pragmatic attitude to that and say, okay, great, then we solve it and talk about the solution. Or if it's something that is left unsaid, then let's go back there and just make sure we iron that out and reach alignment before we move forward. Uh, and uh, never ever going into like, um, uh, causing any reason to feel like you can't speak up because that will just be that will just be bad yeah i think uh, i can also add a little bit from my perspective because it's like a very common issue that uh, people on more on the on the product and publishing side maybe get like very disconnected uh, from the rest of the dev team and uh, feel like there's some like tiny things that uh, that we're doing that really kind of help to like mitigate all that and uh, we have those tiny like rituals like Whenever we have daily stand-ups, like a few times a week, we always leave a few minutes to kind of catch up, especially since we have, you know, quite a bit of people working hybrid or remote and kind of making it more personal. And uh, like all the other tiny things like playing board games together from time to time, having like the Swedish Pika breaks. And I think like having just kind of this organic communication that uh, takes place both in the office, but also we have like ongoing video chats where people kind of just drop in whenever and uh, nice. whenever they're walking or want to talk around with a little bit, like those tiny things, they kind of add up. And then if we kind of pair it together with like the 
it's kind of going to things that Viga mentioned about like encouraging people to speak up and uh, leave feedback. I think like it's uh, up to like us as leaders to kind of model that. And uh, I think we've done quite a good job. Uh, maybe sometimes because especially like someone like me will always speak up uh, if I don't agree with something. Comes with a contrary attitude that I think Peter can attest to. Uh, but uh, I think like kind of living those values and uh, kind of also making sure that there is enough like uh, opportunity to kind of collaborate. Uh, I think those are the key to kind of make sure that communication flows really well. Yeah, I kind of feel like I need to jump in here. <laughs> here comes the value guy again. But anyway, um, I mean, outside of finding the the humble positive and driver in, in everyone, uh, there is also, you'll find it on the website, it's up there. It's like public, the leadership values, because I have I have this uh, I don't know experience at least that um, you know some actually usually it breaks in in the leadership ranks somewhere it's like companies uh, need leadership and management uh, I do believe that uh, but you got to make sure to model that leadership uh, explicitly just like your values when you do recruitment. So on our on our website we do have our leadership values and the way that we use those is that I and mainly me then talking to uh, you know seniors uh, or formal leader roles that come in and the candidates um, we run through those and we talk about those and I do make sure to say to them that um, please keep in mind that these six values that you and I are going through right now is something that should you join the company uh, I m- will be holding you accountable to uh, and you to me as it should um and if we do end up not agreeing after two years uh, you know if, if you don't agree with some of the values then uh, it sounds a little harsh but but that's okay uh but you might not be in a leadership position at madoyo then because it is critical to build towards that xr dream i believe to make sure to model like harless is saying to model that leadership explicitly and and with patience but I, I, I'll, I'll let these two talk to how how we're actually doing with that because again that's just a website <laughs> how is it going guys <laughs> it's going great <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had one question there uh, if someone because if you are interviewing someone they might be an expectation because you guys are in it for the long haul that they eventually become a lead is that a thing that you consider for everyone applying is it something that you is it more of a bonus i wonder like if someone doesn't fit a leadership value but they're not starting at mondoyo to be a leader like do they have a place at mondoyo potentially no sorry just to to add on to that um they they must be willing to work on it because that list is pretty hard that list is as i usually say to all leaders that that's a complex list and you and me will be spending lots of time working on that together i will evolve as well uh but we will be spending a lot of time but i know i do not expect everyone to you know to check off that list you basically cannot and mm. maybe figure but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think it's also worth mentioning that when it comes to uh, how we view leadership it's not necessarily a a position or a responsibility but of course if you're a lead then you have uh, have that but leadership as a basically um uh, a behavior or uh, a way you act and the way you deal with other people and uh, and the process itself uh, leadership is something we see as a as a as a necessary component 
to create the type of uh, you know open and uh, you know mature culture that we uh, that we want, uh, and it's very much a part of uh, recruitment and discussions and development of individuals, etc. Uh, we have quite a few questions, so what I want to do is before we get into them, is I want to touch on your talent acquisition strategy. Bear with me. Uh, this is essentially what would you suggest to people aspiring to join Modoyo at some time? If it's something in the future, what could steps could they take now? Or if they're just ready to apply, like what would you suggest? Because I feel like every studio has their own preferences. Of course, you have a careers page, but I guess, is there anything you could speak to? Like, what would you hope people do if they wanted to end up working at Modoyo? What should they do? For me, it's it's it it comes down to to passion. Uh, I know that's perhaps a simple answer, but when it comes to making great games, uh, just playing games. Uh, mm. It may sound simple, but just play a lot of games. Uh, see what what they do. Why do they make people tick? What makes them happy? What makes them smile? What makes them laugh? And even play the games you don't like. Uh, just build that library of knowledge around why games are entertainment in the first place. Because passion for games is, is an absolute necessity, in my view, if you're going to feel great about your work when you're working in games. Uh, so play video games. That's uh, <laughs> That would be my, <laughs> my, my main tip. The, the key word that I think captures this, uh, and uh, we talk a, a lot about this, is uh, curiosity. I think... Uh, as long as uh, someone uh, is curious about anything really, but well, ideally about the games or whatever the discipline uh, that they, they prefer and uh, do, I think uh, that goes a long way. Uh, and then uh, maybe handing over to Peter here, but uh, I also do know that uh, we do actually take the cultural values very seriously. Uh, so Peter can maybe share a little bit more about that. <laughs> do, do I dare to go into values one more time? Let's... Yeah, I, I think I've talked enough about that, but th I mean, you are spot on. I mean, these are the two things that we look for. I, I would say that reach out. We are very kind and we talk to everyone and, and Lydia, who was supposed to be here as well, uh, will be the one, uh, you know, uh, saying hi. She's our head of um, brand and, and talent. Uh, so um, re reach out and we'll talk. We are not strangers and we look at uh, every application and ping that we do get. Nice. I, I also think that, uh, sorry for jumping in here, but uh, I, I would also want to just mention that uh, a lot of this often comes down to timing. Uh, I think uh, when, when we talk to someone that, uh, that clearly fits into Modoyo, we would love to have them. But then obviously we are sometimes uh, like uh, constrained by some of the some of the things like for example like uh, we're just not working on a thing yet or uh, or uh, we're looking to kind of scale up in some specific area a little bit later so uh, so I think just getting acquainted and uh, even if it doesn't happen today maybe maybe it will happen half year from now so I would as Peter said encourage anyone to reach out I think uh, I think uh, especially like uh, Peter or Lydia uh, are probably always happy to to kind of meet and uh, share some input. Nice. Lovely. Um, so yeah, modoyo.com, everyone. There's a careers page that goes direct to the inbox and you won't disappear. Uh, so that is what I'd suggest. Uh, lovely. Let's take on some uh, questions. Uh, I'll go in order. <laughs> uh, question I have here is, what? how's the office from Philip Black? 
how awesome is the office location? <laughs> Super awesome. Yeah, Philip is an old friend, and we know him, and uh, we do happen to know that he lives very close by, actually. So, uh, okay. Basically neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> nice move, Phil. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, he knows. Uh, uh, where is the office? Is that public information, I'm guessing? Um, so the man. It's good on, sort of on, on the slightly eastern side, I would guess. Very nice side. Loads of gaming studios around there as well. So, oh yeah, good company. Uh, nice. Uh, another question from Philip is, I guess, how was the robot inspired? So there's a small <laughs> motionless man. I really like that picture. We spoke about it here, at Evolution. Um, yeah. Obviously, if he's an old yeah. friend, there might be some context here. But yeah, take it no, away. I, I, th- I, I don't think this has the same. Uh, okay. Last <laughs> one. No, this is a, uh, of course, for me, uh, being on, on from the creative side, but this is a, a lovely question. Uh, because this is one of the instances where I actually got to learn something from from the team. Uh, because we were just in the middle of you know concept art, trying to develop interesting ideas for characters, and um, uh, our main character artist, three D artist, he came in and said, "You know what? Uh, these are too bland. Aren't we just you know in and this is a Swedish saying? You know, uh, we call it Swedish." which is basically saying it, it's not one or the other, it's just the lagom in Lukewarm, in, the Yeah, yeah, the, exactly, <laughs> like that thing, uh, which Swedes absolutely love, right? Okay, sorry. And, <laughs> uh, and I thought, oh, you really think so? What? No. No, these are great, don't you think? Uh, and he's like, no, no, we, we are definitely in lukewarm country. I'm like, all right, well, we don't want to be there, so let's crank it up. And I basically said to the... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, concept artists that you know crank it to fifteen, just go mad mm. and see. You know, we will off, we will have to dial it back, of course, but let's just go there. Uh, and they really went mad. And this was one of the actual first things that came out. Oh, nice. And and I said, oh wow, that's oh, that's crazy mad. And then again, the same three D artists, uh, character artist said, no, no, that's great. <laughs> I'm like, mm, you are right, that is great. And uh, yeah, now he's a uh, on the website and just shining in his awesomeness. <laughs> oh, look at this. <laughs> yeah, I, I brought him up just for a bit of a sneak peek. No, he yeah, does. He's having his coffee as, as he does. Yeah. I'm really interested to see if there's going to be, if that ends up in the game, like the animation for how he gets his new coffee when he, like that's going to be a nightmare for whoever's doing that. Uh, he is in the game. See? He's going to, okay, so yeah, that'll be ridiculous animation. <laughs> I can just imagine him finishing with like, where's that going to come from? Yeah, yeah, and then you like you're shooting on and splashes the coffee on yeah. the thing, and he gets like, ah, extra damage, too lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Um, another question, uh, just from Philip. Uh, I guess it's regarding internships. I'm wondering, like, do you offer internships? Is it something that will be the case for the future? I know this is putting you on the spot, but I'm just wondering. Oh, we should have Lydia here, of course, when it comes to talent. But maybe I don't know. Uh, this might be yours, Peter. Yeah, uh, I mean, we have a few, we had few internships early on and they turned out to be, you know, driving forces. We, you know, there's one or two or no, one there for me, at least there's like four or five of them, but most Good of them right. <laughs> were actually interns and to meet them on the battlefield in our game, oof, I just, what's the button for dropping the gun and running the other way? Um, but um it's a timing thing, as Harless said. Um, there are times when the team 
has to huddle down and I don't know if that's the right expression, but focus immensely. And so hence, there are some periods when we don't take internships just due to that focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, in majority, we do, um, for sure, uh, take on internships. Uh, right now is kind of a hunker down and uh, focus hard. Uh, but as I said before, it's always good to just ping as for the radar, you know, to be on the map. We always Would that be on your website or LinkedIn. Is there a preference there? Doesn't really matter. Okay, just reach and out. Okay. Just reach out. Full stop. That is. Yeah. Yeah, I would also add here is uh, we have talked about this quite a bit, as Peter mentioned. But I think the the key here is that we we do want interns, but uh, only if we feel like uh, we can actually provide them a good opportunity yeah, to learn and grow. 100%. So uh, that's that's why we're selective during sometimes, but uh, but during other times, if uh, if there is an open internship application, I can almost guarantee that it's going to be great. Yeah, I could say that an internship that doesn't have that support you might not want to be on that so these guys are doing it the right way like it's it's good sign um lovely uh, a question from teresa or teresa sorry uh, what was your biggest challenge so far which tools are you using for team management um i appreciate that is a big question what is your biggest challenge so far um but yeah i wonder if Harless can take this potentially like what has been your challenge i guess i mean i mean there are many uh and i actually thought about a little bit uh because I, I figured that you or maybe someone will ask that. And uh, I can't really pinpoint a single challenge, but uh, I think uh, during my time, uh, there's been a lot of small challenges. Or maybe not small, but some of them are big, some of them are smaller. But I think uh, uh, like that's that's the thing that I enjoy most about uh, about being at Modoyo is like, there's so many challenges because we're a small studio. There are no support structures. There's no... There's no like central services team you can you know call up and be like hey how do we do this but uh, it's like uh, like smaller stuff for example uh, a good story was uh, when uh, when we actually got matchmaking to work and run a playtest a few months ago and uh, and uh, <clears throat> this is the first time we're supposed to have like actual matchmaking and then it kind of breaks down in the middle of the playtest and then. Uh, at the time, I was wearing the community manager hat, and uh, I've never done this before. And mm. it was just uh, like, how do you actually do that? So we obviously we tried our best, and the team kind of came together. We were all in like this uh, one room, sitting next to each other with the engineers, and, uh, and it was a big challenge, of course. But also, like now thinking back, it was like a super fun thing. But also, we we learned a lot, and I think the 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 big challenge is figuring out all the small challenges. I would say mm. you don't know what you don't know. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and sometimes you have no time to learn because it just happened. Uh, nice. Uh, and the second question, uh, we'll go through this quite quickly. I guess any tools you could share that you use into the team management? I guess like Jira, or using Discord or Slack, like kind of. I guess some of these are preferences, but I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah we're using Jira. We're using Confluence. We're using uh, Discord. Um, you know, the Google Suite, uh, Perforce. Um, we're yeah. I don't think we're using any really kind of stand out unknown uh, software we're really much leaning into uh, a lot of the standard standard stuff nice. i think i think uh, just to quickly add to that i think uh, one thing that i really appreciate uh, peter doing is that uh, he's uh, actively making sure to triple triple check whether we need a new tool or uh, software mm. or whenever you're never an idea uh, and uh, it all sometimes it sounds like come on it's it's a good thing, but uh, but Peter is strict, and now if you look back, it's like 
thank God we don't have seven billion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The f- the flood of tools. Yeah. 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 Good, get- have- good gatekeeping. Hundred percent. I can second that. You don't want seven different tools that you need to update. Um, some people talk to me and when they want to change jobs because the admin is that crazy. Um, so yeah, good, good shout. Uh, nice. Uh, another question from Teresa is uh, inside on the scope of your game. Obviously, you don't want secrets, but yeah, no. But um, I think we are. Uh, I mean, we're obviously not. Uh, you know, a studio of the size to create some. Yeah, some of the you know AAA size blockbustery type mega games obviously mm-hmm. so uh we we would definitely uh class ourselves as lower in scope than that um however depending depending on how you, you kind of measure scope we are still very ambitious especially on the creative side like we mentioned earlier uh we're not really trying to uh to do too much of like clone and copy of uh, others to just tag along on a trend we're really trying to set something new and be really creatively innovative uh, and do something that is just you can't really recognize it as something that has been done before mm-hmm. um, so from that perspective we're pretty big in scope creatively uh, high ambition etc uh, but when it comes to just the pure kind of man month uh, numbers type scope it's of course something that we're adapting to to um, uh, to the studio size and and just trying to make the right decisions on planning and and how we execute on those. Cool. I mean, it sounds like you're trying to be like a community of one. I don't know if I'm saying that rightly, but like it's going to be very unique, whatever that the thing that does come out, uh, at least creatively. Cool. Uh, let's move on to the next question, which is from Pim Holf, I believe former CEO at Avalanche, if I'm right. Uh, is wearing multiple hats a long-term sustainable path? Isn't there a risk that you burn out if you aim to stay too lean for too long? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, from my perspective, I'm sure there there will be more answers than mine here. But uh, that comes down to the uh, to the individual um, process that I talked about before, where you uh, where we always try to identify uh, where the motivations and inspirations lie with each individual. Because sometimes you have someone who really feels a, a strong sense of passion towards a larger set of things, and then we do what we can uh, to make that the priority for that person. Uh, but then sometimes you get, I really want to just dive into this and just go for this because, ah, oh, this is what I want to do. And then we try to to opt for that. Now, obviously, you can't always just do whatever you want. It doesn't work like that. But having that as part of the conversation and trying to, to put that into all the long-term plans that we make, uh, I feel is giving uh, a really good sense of motivation to everyone who is uh, who's working, um, and we're always open to any type of feedback. Again, to changes in how you feel about things, or uh, or how you see your own time, for example, moving forward, or your own uh, ownership, etc. Uh, so it's very much a part of the conversation. Uh, now that said, of course we have. A varying degree of generalism as well. We do have a few that are very specialized in in certain aspects. Uh, of course, you need that as well. Um, but most of those do actually have uh, an extra set of of, of skills and, and experiences as well, allowing them to just jump in to to other things if if they need to. Nice. Oh, lovely. Uh, I want to do two questions if we still have time. I know we've gone over by a minute, and yeah, all the questions that we won't get to. What do we will get back to after the show? Uh, so another question from Pim is: We've heard about your great sound values, but can you share some of your goals, both as a company studio as well as for the project or product? What does success 
look like for Modoyo? Um, yeah, I can I can perhaps speak of the the, the product. Maybe you guys want to go first with Company Studio. Uh, but yeah, I I can just uh, go uh, and answer the second part. Um, we are, as I mentioned, quite ambitious on on the game. We want to create something new, something innovative, something fresh. And obviously, the success for that is a hit. You know, a, a game that has a global footprint, a game that has some kind of uh, cultural impact uh, on the genre, and um, you know, that's 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 what you would expect uh, as a, as a success for 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 an innovative game. But for me personally. Just what I want to personally see in a success scenario is just catching someone when I'm out in the in the city or on the train and just catching someone talk about it. Oh. I know that's a very like a personal small thing, but just that oh, they're talking about it. And there's just, you know, someone I don't know. That to me is a big thing. We've made it when that happens, right? Yeah, exactly. Then yes, made it. Perfect. <laughs> Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. All right. Final question, which I think is a good one to end on, is from Gregor. Where did the new studio name come from? Does it stand for anything or have any deeper meaning? Smiley face. Yeah. Should I take this one figure? Yeah, I've been talking too much. You should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we. Yeah, we had another name when just when we started out, and it didn't feel right figure was one of the first ones frankly to help me find that perspective and see that perspective so it, it didn't really jam with who we were really and it doesn't really matter but so we went into a rebranding period uh, sorry a rebranding process and uh, we had a, a brand expert friend come help us and after due diligence uh, it was a quite fun process because many people were involved in the studio and because we want all of again you know all the people that are in there they make up what we are right it's not what we just want to write and try to only uh, try to um, go for but we need to project what we are and uh, so the branding crew came back and said you know you resemble a dojo to us among a few our alternatives and ideas they said that you you resemble a dojo where even the leaders wipe the mat and you try to hone and master the discipline of, well, in this case, play um, uh, and, you know, the creative game making side of it, building things that require mastery in games. And uh, so that's what, what we kind of latched onto and said, oh, dojo. Hmm. And then someone said, uh, but what are we being masters in? What are we trying to master? What are we honing? And then among the team, uh, I believe someone said, Mojo. Oh, how do you mean? You know how we all try hard to focus down and get together and pull the same direction. So then someone said, oh, Mojo, yeah. So we're the Mojo Dojo? Yeah. And then the brand expert went, oh, so you're Modoyo. And that's where it comes from. And then Barbie came out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Super unfortunate. No, I like Modoyo because it's a bit Swedish as well because it's not Dojo, it's Modoyo, which is, uh, I, I yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, good name and good domain because you've got Modoyo.com. Amazing. Lovely. Let's end that there. Thank you so much, um, Peter Figgis and Harley. I know some, there's a bit of a surname and first name thing there. But yeah, no, thank you everyone who's uh, joined. Uh, thank you everyone who's left questions. And in general, just thank you for watching. We'll be doing more of these events quite a lot in the last quarter. So 
thank you everyone for joining and yeah please follow evolution recruitment gaming just to see what we're up to and obviously you know reach out if you need anything thank you so much